Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 26 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am so excited today because I have a very, very special guest who is so dear to my heart, Dr. Valerie Rain. And she wrote the book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. And we'll be going more into that um, during this episode. And I just wanted to say that she has played such an integral role in my healing journey and has so much wisdom to share. So I cannot wait to just delve into that more for all of our listeners today. So Dr. Valerie, why don't you introduce yourself? It's such a joy to be here with you, Dr. Andrea, and just thinking about how our paths crossed, how serendipitous that was, and the big work that you're doing in the world. And it's just been such a joy journeying with you and seeing you take flight. And I'm so grateful to be here on your platform talking to you and sharing with your audience. Uh, so what, what can I say about myself? I can say that I'm the psychologist who discovered patriarchy stress disorder and um, the only science-backed methodology that I've been co-developing with my partner, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, for healing this intergenerational trauma of oppression that serves as the invisible in the barrier to women's ultimate success, happiness, and fulfillment. Mm, so beautiful. And for anybody listening, I'm curious, um, when I first came across the title of the book, I was like, oh, patriarchy, that feels so, I don't know, heavy. And I, and I have heard as I've introduced your book, because I send it to like all my clients now and I've introduced it, I, I get similar responses. So let's speak to that for everybody who's like, but I'm feminist, but I don't believe in the patriarchy. Like, why is this so important for women to, to learn about? Oh gosh, that <laughs> alone, that alone we can talk to for days. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> well, let me start by saying that when I say patriarchy, I don't mean men per se. I don't, I'm not talking about your dad. I'm not talking about your husband or your son uh, or your boyfriend. I'm talking about the system of oppression where the power has been in the hands of men with the exclusion of women. And I mean, political power, economic power, and even moral power. And as a part of the, of the parcel of holding moral power, patriarchy also holds the power to define the narrative, such as the branding of what feminism is, has been defined by patriarchy. Feminists have been branded as angry, as anti-men. So yes, women without realizing it, like, yeah, I'm progressive, but I'm not a feminist. I don't want to identify as feminist because who wants to identify as anti-men? And this is such a great and horrible example of how patriarchy brainwashed us so, so deeply. It defines our narrative. Uh, what feminism is, is belief in equality for people across the gender spectrum. That is it. That is it. And what patriarchy is, is a system of oppression. 
that is it, right? Mm-hmm. That em- empowered um, men and disempowered women. And it, it goes a little deeper in the work that we're doing in healing this trauma because men are traumatized also by this system of oppression really deeply because the membership in club patriarchy comes at a very high cost. Men cannot enter in their wholeness. They cannot bring aspects that patriarchy has labeled as feminine, such as nurturing, connected with their intuition. Um, Anything but, in in touch with any emotion but aggression or anger. And this is... And men are not like this. Men are men, men are not, uh, you know, two-dimensional cutouts. Men are complex and beautiful and whole. And that is true for women and people across the gender spectrum. So when we're unpacking patriarchies in the service of all, mm-hmm. and not just humanity, but also the planet, because patriarchy through its abuses of power has been, you know, behind the destruction of the planet, it has also been the foundation for the atrocities that became possible through racism. It's a, it's really a, a playbook and a blueprint that has sent our society off course of wholeness, connection, equality, and into something completely different. So hopefully, as our listeners are hearing that, they're like, oh yeah, like I don't like that shit either. Yes. <laughs> so okay, now we can be on the same page. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And you said that so beautifully. I'm like full body <laughs> chills. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> love your passion behind it. Cause and I just thought I like, yes, I love that. Like getting everyone on the same page. Cause I find it such a some people have resistance to hearing the message because they're like, oh, I don't want to talk bad about my husband. Yeah, exactly. We don't talk about Bruno. Right? Yeah. We, encounter- <laughs> yes. we don't talk about Bruno. And that is also, I think this is going to be at the core of what you and I get to talk about uh, on, on the show, uh, wherever you want, you want to take us. But I think at the core is the prohibition, uh, how patriarchy uh, inserts that prohibition. It's very deep in our subconscious on our authentic expression, our fullest authentic expression in our sexuality, in our brilliance, in how much money we get to make, who we get to love, how we get to live. And this is just one aspect of the prohibition. Oh, oh, you don't talk about patriarchy, like rule number one of fight club. You don't talk about fight club right? It's the same fucking shit. Yes. I just think about it. Why are you reluctant to talk about it? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And I love it. And it's not our fault, by the way. Like we didn't make that conscious choice. We just kind of, we are like fish in water, right? Unless we do talk about it. And here we're talking about it. Exactly. Yes. And I love this, that emphasis on like, it's not our choice. Like humans are social creatures. We do what we're kind of told to do, what's around us, what we're exposed to, it shapes yep. us. And we have the power to reshape it as well. And learning about this and talking about and having these conversations is exactly how you start. And I also love that you brought in that authentic expression piece because to link this all into like chronic pain and why I feel like this is so important for anybody listening with chronic pain is one of my big beliefs is that chronic pain is highlighting the places in our system where it has not been, like we haven't been able to give it full expression. 
that it's just like, we have all these things that are just trapped in our nervous system. Our nervous system is working so hard to repress and store it. And it's because we haven't been allowed to have this authentic expression. So understanding the patriarchy and where it's held us back and where we haven't been allowed to express ourselves fully or where we aren't living in, in line with our authentic selves, oftentimes we have chronic pain as one of the symptoms of that. It can manifest physically. So let's speak to some of those things that can actually be barriers. Like, cause it's, I feel like it's so easy in the self-help world, right? I'm like, okay, just, just live your life. Just do your thing. Just be free. Right. And it's like, sounds nice. It's a great Instagram post that you're like, yeah, motivated for like two seconds. And then you're like, Ugh! and you're just like frozen and you can't actually move <laughs> or do anything where you're like, what the and I'm going to eight different places where it's like, what the hell? It's what the okay. hell do just I even? Scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. keep, on, keep yeah. on scrolling to the next motivational post. Exactly. Like, yeah. And totally. here is the time. Yeah. So what's behind, like, can you speak to a little about like, what's behind that? What almost, what stops us from both of even knowing what our true authentic yeah. self is? Because I know that was such a barrier on my journey is anytime I'd be asking that question, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck I am. Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So many places we can go with that. I think the first misconception that is really floating uh, around in the personal development world has to do with that authentic self, like what it is, like, like it's a fixed thing. Like you've got to find your authentic self. Like it's in there somewhere. And once you found it, you found, I got it. I'm so authentic. And yes. you know, uh, what is this? Uh, it's like we're searching for something that exists objectively and in, in its like completed form. To me, an authentic self is an ever-changing self. Mm. It's a it's a state of flow. Like you and I in a connection, in in this experience, in in a relationship, right? We are informing each other. We're changing. Like even this conversation is changing us. Like it's weaving something in us. And to me, this is this is what authentic is. We're constantly being enriched through our interactions with one another with the world. That's why it's so essential. Like one of the reasons it's so essential to, um, I guess, to just be in the world showing up as fully as we can, engaging in different conversations with people who have, you know, different ideas and different experiences. Um, And we are just discovering more and more of our authenticity or creating more and more of our authenticity this way. So this is one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it that that connects with it is why it's so hard to show up and be fully present, right? In our engagement with the world. Uh, Because, well, that's really, really vulnerable. And that's really, really... It's a place that has been so protected by our trauma defenses. And just to define what I mean by that, what I mean by trauma is any experience that made us feel unsafe physically or emotionally and led to creating trauma adaptations or trauma defenses to keep us safe going forward. In uh, in my system, I call them uh, prison guards, you know, using the 
analogy of the invisible in the prison talking about trauma. So those trauma defenses, well, let's say you showed up when we were little, we were very much in touch, right? We didn't hold back. You know, if you've seen an infant, you've experienced how they interact with the world. They're full-bodied. When they're crying, it's a full-bodied cry. When they're laughing, it's a full-bodied laugh. Their toes are, are laughing, right? It's everything, right? My daughter had this wonderful full-bodied full pout when she was little. She was literally like, oh, just collapse. <laughs> into a full-bodied pout, so precious. So we had that experience once upon a time, you know? Um, and then maybe we would, we, we, we would told, oh, well, you're crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Or like, go to your room. You're angry, go to your room. Or like, oh, you, you're happy? What are you so happy about? You know, like all of this began to get dialed down and compressed and these trauma adaptations, because those moments, they were traumatic, like little paper cuts, little T traumas, not big life-threatening traumas, but little traumas that nevertheless create trauma adaptations. Oh, I learned to dial this down. I learned there is no space for my bigness. There is no space for my fullest expression here. Um and so we continue in the world living kind of dimmed lives. One of the women I interviewed for my podcast, and then I, th this quote made it into the book. Her name is Bernadette Pleasant, and she developed a beautiful body of work, Femme. So Bernadette used this analogy. It's like having your entire body in Spanx right? Or not, not entire body, entire life. It's like putting your entire life in Spanx, right? All of these prohibitions that we carry. And these are the barriers to our authenticity. So kind of putting it all together, to me, the, the path to authenticity is uncovering and healing those prohibitions that are all rooted in traumatic experiences, whether our own or those we've inherited. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was so, so beautifully said. And oh, the inherited piece, I think, is so huge. I know that was such, you know, that was such a big part on my own journey. And I've talked about it some on this podcast already, because we are born with some of these inhibitions. So it's, I, I literally remember saying to my husband, I don't know, like at some point throughout the program of just like healing some of these pieces. And I was just like, got up and I was like, is this how people just move through life? Because I felt so different of like, oh my gosh, it doesn't feel like I'm carrying this like 5,000 pound weight on me, but I had no idea it was there, right? Because I did not know what it was like to live without it. And I feel like that is so, it's so challenging to even like, ex, like explain that, right? Or to even understand that. So I'm curious, like from the intergenerational piece, why is this so important to, to look at from a different perspective than just like, oh, you know, it's, my own issues or kind of blaming it on ourselves. And yeah. oh, Dr. Andrea, this is, this is so rich. Like everything you say, I'm like, oh my gosh, we I can know. talk about this <laughs> for a, a long time. Probably still not get to the bottom of this. What you said about not carrying this weight, like, oh my gosh, this relief, is that what was possible all the, all the time? But I didn't know, I did not even know I was carrying that weight. And I can so relate to this because, you know, like I remember my very first experience when I glimpsed feeling safe in my body, glimpsed it. 
And it was such a strange experience because I had never felt that way before. I, I actually didn't know what it was. Whoa. Um, did I just get enlightened? Did I, like, am I levitating? What happened? Uh, and it was just the experience of feeling safe in my body that allowed me to drop into relaxation. And I had no idea that I could not do that before. Like I had no idea that I had always been carrying this tension and that I did not feel safe in my body and that I was living in my head. And if somebody would have said that to me, if you would have approached and said that to me, like, Valerie, you know, I think you're, you're in your head and you're not in your body. I would have said, like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? You know, first of all, I'm a therapist. I help people <laughs> with these issues. And second of all, I'm a yoga teacher and mindfulness instructor, you know, and I help people be here now. And I didn't know that I was not, you know, and this is the perhaps the hardest thing about getting people to experience this work right because we just don't know what we don't know we don't know that it can be better it's probably what you you know maybe you 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 come up against this um in in your interactions with people with chronic pain if it's been their experience for so long it's kind of hard to imagine and it can be different mm -hmm. And it can be so much better, right? We just, if we haven't experienced that before, if we haven't experienced it for a very long time, it's hard to imagine. And this is where intergenerational trauma also comes in. First of all, how do we know about intergenerational trauma? There's been a lot of uh, research in the recent uh, couple of decades showing that trauma is genetically transmitted. Whoa. Um, and you know, human research shows it, but I find this particular study really telling um, because it takes story out of this. Um, this study was done on mice. And in the study, researchers introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. Then these mice were bred and their children and their grandchildren when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction, right? So when I'm talking about patriarchy stress disorder, I'm talking about this intergenerational trauma of oppression. This is what it is. It is women fearing the smell of cherry blossoms, which for us is everything that we authentically desire, that we authentically are, our fullest expression, um, loving who we love, making lots of money, doing our work in the world, living on purpose, and mm, enjoying our lives deeply, expressing all our emotions, right? Feeling deeply connected with others, all of this has been historically prohibited and punishable for women under patriarchy. Right. And through measures much more drastic that, than mild electric shocks, women were burned at the stake for their wisdom, for simply being who they are. Women uh, were locked up in asylums and, you know, given lobotomies like up into 1960s. Right. And all of that, like, oh, that's in the past. How is this affecting us? Well, um, reference back to the three generations of mice here, right? And so those consequent generations never experienced electric shocks. 
nor did they hear from their grandparents, beware, beware, you know, be careful around them cherry blossoms, right? They didn't know what those were yet in their very system, in their genetic expression, they actually, they actually developed more receptors or centers in the brain for processing specifically the smell of cherry blossoms so that they could be extra hypervigilant. Just let that sink in for a moment, what it means for us and what receptors we have developed about being super hypervigilant based on our the trauma in our lineages, based on the trauma of oppression through racism, through patriarchy and other, other things, right? It's really, really big. So when you're finding yourself stuck in like beating yourself up, for, oh, I'm getting in my own way, I'm holding myself back, or I need to change my thoughts in order to move forward. Think about these mice. No, there was nothing wrong with their thoughts. Yes, yes. They were not misinterpreting the situation and therefore, no, 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 no. It's deeper than that. It's simpler than that. And it's more complex than that at the same time, right? But by understanding what is affecting us and how deeply that runs, we can actually do something about it. We can stop beating ourselves up or pushing the, the, the boulder up the hill that Sisyphus labor. I just need to work harder. Or I just need to change the way I think or fix something else about myself to finally like, okay, I just, I can heal this and then everything changes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so powerful. And I love the example of of mice of just like, yeah, taking out the, the story around it. It's like, this is an actual physiological reaction that happens and, and chronic pain is so similar. And I feel like we try to apply this, like, oh, I just need to like think my way out of it or think better thoughts or be happier. Right. And it's like, no, there's an actual threat reaction that is happening. So unless you are allowing and, and showing your system, it is safe. And not by telling it it's safe because that then it thinks you're not seeing it. And so in chronic pain, it often just yells at you even louder. If you're like, you're safe, you're safe, you're fine. Nothing's wrong. Look how safe you are, right? Like that, it doesn't work that way because your system's like, are you insane? Do you see all the threats around here? Like, what are you doing? I must, I I need to tell you more. So, (laughs) so like, oh my God. Yeah. Like you said, there's so many pieces I could go with this, but I really want to touch on that, like finding the safety in our body and like what you talked about at the um when you had that experience of first finding safety and you're like I didn't even know that I hadn't felt that before because that is so massive and I work with so many people who are in the healing world that have been doing this work and and you know do yoga and they do all the right things on paper but their system it's just like, it's like, it doesn't feel safe enough to allow it in They're They're going through the motions, but it's not embodied. And that to me is because they don't have the safety almost to be safe. Like the, the way I describe it for myself is that for my system, having safety is a, is a threat because for my parents, for my grandparents, what they experienced is like, they had safety when they were at their happiest, when they're like, we were doing great. Everything was taken away from them, from external sources. And it's like, so my system, I mean, and again, this might not be for everybody's system, but this is the way I relate to it is that my system has learned that being safe means 
someone's about to come take your shit and everything's about to get messed up. Right. Like, so for me, it's helping my system realize that it is safe to be safe. And that's been a massive part. So I just wanted to speak to that in case anyone can relate to that. Yeah. It's so, so big. And, um, mm, so this gives me an opportunity to zoom out here a little Mm -hmm. bit and talk about the the five stages, I'm not going to go deep into this, but the five stages of the the jailbreak journey, as Mm -hmm. I call it, getting out of that invisible in the prison, that it starts with waking up in prison. It starts with realizing it's not you. It's it's trauma, it's intergenerational, it's collective, it's personal traumatic experiences. Uh, But it's the opposite of letting yourself off the hook or not being uh, responsible it's like well now that you know it wouldn't you want to do something about it yes. because like yes. yeah like the <laughs> the destiny of your lineage is literally can be changed in yeah. one generation which we also know from epigenetics yes. that not only trauma is genetically transmitted but also is healing mm-hmm. so as you have experienced in your own healing journey right it everybody transforms around you right yes. because yeah, yeah. and because I, can I just bring that safety yeah. i want to just speak to anybody listening to you of like the waking up in prison it it, it feels terrible often. Like you're like, oh my God, like I had, like, it's not a pleasant experience and it is like the most empowering experience ever. And I just like want to normalize that. Like when you start to realize and understand these things, it usually feels like crap first and it's really uncomfortable and we don't want to look and we want to look away. So that's all really normal. And at least part of most people's process. So sorry, go on. Thank you for normalizing. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 one woman put it so, so, so like, I, I think she captures it when she, she said, uh, when I got your book, I wanted to at the same time, just clutch, clutch it to my bosom and never let go and throw it out of the window as as I could and never look back. Uh, So it's that kind of a thing, right? It is very liberating. As Gloria Steinem said, truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Yes. So that is the stage where we get royally pissed off. And so all of these stages are just much better. It's a much smoother journey in the community because then we can just check each other. Like we're not insane. We're all in the same boat. What I'm feeling, you're feeling what? I'm not alone, right? And it's not about any one of us. It's all collective. It's intergenerational, right? So it's a community is a key healing ingredient in 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 our work, right? And um, healing PhD. And once we wake up in prison, we get to meet those prison guards. Those are trauma defenses, and that's a whole whole other huge conversation, which I'm not going to open up. It's resonating. Definitely check out the book where I break it down. Um, but these are those trauma defenses that are meant to keep keep us safe, but they're getting in the way now because they're keeping us safe by the only way they know how by keeping us in the invisible in a prison. So if uh, based on PSD, it has never been safe for a woman to be visible, literally, they're going to keep you from being visible. And you're like, I don't know why I just can't 
you know, do an Instagram live, or I just can't, can't, can't post, or I can't say what I really want to say. I'm, I keep censoring myself and I keep filtering, filtering myself, right? It's not your fault. It's, that's what's at play. Those prison guards create the imposter syndrome, the inner critics, mental fog, lack of clarity, lots of things. And they also show up in the body. They also shown up in the body, which, you know, you, you can speak to better than I uh, in so many ways, right? Creating, mm-hmm. creating uh, health expressions that are rooted in a stress response, which is rooted in trauma, which is basically, I'm not feeling safe. And th- therefore we have inflammation, we have, we have pain, we can't sleep, we can't restore, our body is not healing properly because we are never in a relaxation state, which is the only state where we can heal. And the list goes on and on. And then choices that we make, the third area, our actions are defined by uh, prison guards also because they want us to be safe. And so instead of you know doing something that feels unsafe internally, even if it's a great opportunity, well, yes, I am going to have that difficult conversation. I am going to respond to that email with that big opportunity. But first I'll check social media and, but first I'll go get a snack. But first, oh, there's a new episode that dropped. (laughs) And these are all the ways they're keeping us safe. Now we get to evolve them to being our bodyguards by creating safety. And And this is really key because if you look at your life and how much time you're spending time, energy, and money oftentimes just on that prison guard dance, just pushing that boulder up the hill, it's a lot. When I ask women, you know, the average answer is, well, at least 90%, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. So when we start evolving them to bodyguards, and this is when we begin to feel safer and safer in our body, and we can actually step into our power and use those natural defense mechanisms consciously, consciously. So we're not, not protected, but they're not firing at everything. Oh, oh, you know, is this, is this an enemy attacking or paper rustling, right? It's there, there is that opportunity to actually settle and discern, oh, is this something I literally, I need this protection from, or is this actually safe, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not coming from here. It's coming from the nervous system ability to be, right? And um, all comes down to that, our ability to receive and be connected, intimate, you know, your wealth is rooted in that, your your health, or other things that rhyme and don't. Okay. And then and then from there we go into tunnel digging. We have all this capacity. We can dig out that those traumas, we can heal them. Not gonna dwell on that. But I actually I zoomed out specifically to bring us to kind of the crown jewel. Once we're out of the prison, we have we have everything we ever wanted and that that we can align our life with our authentic desires. We can do that. You know, you've experienced that in your life, Dr. Andrea. I've experienced it. Many of our thrivers are living that. And this is where the shit hits the fan in a very different way. I don't even know if it's, it's not the shit hits the fan. It's just the intensity, right? When you said, yeah, it's, it actually feels unsafe to be safe. <laughs> Like, oh my God, like, 
I have money now. My life is amazing. I'm doing the work I love. I have this recognition. Oh, shit. The system begins to really, oh, something bad's going to go down. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's when, um, you know, a lot, a lot of women, not only women, you know, it applies to mm -hmm. people across the gender spectrum. We see it with celebrities, a whole bunch self-sabotage right self-sabotage happens not their fault not because they're like spoiled like with mm -hmm. all the success and they're just bored and they don't know what to do and they just blow up their lives no this is this would be a very cruel and untrue um story to make up it's it's because those traumas are activated and their nervous system is just freaking out right it's not a conscious thing and they have means and they have resources and objectively they say objectively like you and i are safe right for all we know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you know yeah it is because our nervous systems need that constant upgrading mm -hmm. so at, when we start the journey we we create that initial safety to be able to align with our desires and and bring them into our life and then the more we have that the more we expand, we need to keep on upgrading, upgrading the channels through, through which our power, our pleasure, our well-being runs. And that is a continuous journey. That journey just, I, I tell you, I think that most of the time, like I spend on my inner work these days is that is that, is that, you know, upgrading so that my system is not freaking out, so that you know, and some of our listeners may be like, oh, that these are good problems to have. Yes. <laughs> Let me adjust to being really, really well and living an awesome life. Um, and it is a real, it is a real thing. Maybe you want to speak to this, Dr. Andrea. What? Oh my, oh yeah. I feel like there's so much I could say. What is coming up is I want to differentiate, and I'm not sure, okay, we'll see what just comes out of my mouth as I speak to this, to differentiate between true authentic desires and things people think that they want. Because a lot of conversations I have with women, they're like, well, I know what I want. I wanna be pain-free. I just wanna do this. I just wanna like be a good mom. And they speak to these things. And, and it's not like anything is wrong with those, but they're rooted out of this patriarchy perfect, right? It's not a true authentic desire. And sometimes there's overlap sometimes, but it's like, it's got patriarchy all woven into it. Yes. So, cause I feel like there's so many things that kind of people, again, it's not actual self-sabotage, but they call self-sabotage on their healing journey. And they're like, but I am trying, I am doing the work. Of course I want to get better. And, but they're, but they're ignoring and suppressing the true authentic desires. So it's like, how do we even know? I don't know the difference. What's, I'm curious just what comes up when I say that, because I feel like it is such an important thing to differentiate. It can be really challenging to differentiate too. And that's, and that's <laughs> so big. Yeah, it is really big. This is a, yeah. <laughs> Let me just take the first frame that it, it came to me. Um, uh, and there are many frames. One of the useful frames to, to, to look at this would be to consider that we all have many, many parts to, to us. Maybe let's call them our inner children, our younger parts. And 
these parts may all want different things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm, and it's important to know which part is driving. Like uh, sometimes it's it's as straightforward as, well, uh, something is going well, but my inner rebellious teenager is like, I'm not going to be doing this because I have to. I'm going to be doing my own thing, you know, or the mm. three-year-old in the full body pout, like, no, not today, because you've been mean to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the more we are on this healing journey, working with these parts, because each one of these parts, they, they have unprocessed trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more we work with that, we the more we give them space to be fully who they are and we integrate them into the fabric of who we are right now in this moment real real time in our authentic expression the clearer it is like oh like look at this this is where this is coming from right versus what is my authentic desire and the authentic desire is is really well protected by all the different trauma adaptations, because there's a lot of pain around our needs not being met. Mm. A lot of pain that we all experience. None of us ha- has had all of our needs and desires met. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been pain and there's been like circumscribing or like editing them down, like pruning them, trimming them, our desires, putting them in little boxes, like, oh, yeah, well, it's too big of a desire. Let me edit it down. And then we end up with those half-assed desires that are not even, it's more like what I should be wanting, but they're not really, you know, and it's really, really, really tragic, really tragic. Mm. Um, why is it important to desire? Why is it important to know what we truly authentically want? Well, first, those things get us off the hamster wheel, or, you know, of working so hard for something that we should want, right? Or like, I should, I should pursue this, like, school, right? I should pursue this career, like, I should get married, should have a kid, or I should, should, should something, something. And um, so knowing, knowing what we truly authentically desire is also a way for us to liberate ourselves from, I guess, being manipulated by like different societal things, like all these commercials that really... They're so engineered to like really poke at all our trauma places of all the places that feel not good enough, that fear abandonment, that fear betrayal, that fear missing out. Like, oh, if only you buy this, then you'll belong and you'll be good enough. Oh, wear this or, you know, be this. And, And none of these things fix anything. Mm -hmm. I call this like decorating a prison cell, like with all these nice trappings. And, and then we're not free and we know we're not free. So we reach for more things that don't solve the problem, right? Because we need to numb, we need to feel better. So I'm going to go on a shopping spree to make myself feel better. 
um, or I'll, I'll go like eat, eat this away or drink this away or, or distract it away. So I guess it's our lives that are at stake. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Lives. And you see it expressed through pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is, of course, such a huge factor affecting the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. And we deserve, like, we really deserve to have our own authentic life, whatever that is. It's not that it's going to be without challenges and without intensity and without pain, but we deserve to find out how good it can get. Yes. Yes. And I love that. And what I was really hearing too, is it's like, if we're, if we think we're desiring something and it's based out of this need to fix something, it's probably not an authentic desire, right? Like that's probably just, I love the the decoration of a prison cell because Mm -hmm. I don't know, in my experience so far, and it's like, I'm still learning and playing with like a true authentic desire. It's like true authentic desires, even if you don't achieve them, they don't take away from your life. They still add to it. It's like the pursuit of it just only like adds to your life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's like putting more flowers into a bouquet. It just becomes even more beautiful, but like- Chills, yes. Yeah, like- the absence of it, or even it's like, there's joy in even the pursuit of it, where yes. it's like, you don't need, and I love what you talk about this. It's like, and maybe you could do that analogy of just like, uh, like the lamppost that I forget exactly how you say it. It's like, sometimes it's, it's the in following the desire that we end up somewhere completely different. Yeah. Just allowing it to like guide our path. Yeah. Conditionality is that word uh, mm. that, that comes to me. If we put any conditions on what we want that have to do with so- something about us, like if I lose X amount of pounds, then I will like myself. I will be more attractive. Then I will put myself out there. Then I will be more visible. Then I will start dating again. Mm-hmm. Right? It's conditional, right? Or like when I make X amount of dollars, then I will have arrived. I will have achieved something, right? Yes. When I get my degree, when I get married, when, I, when, 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 when. And desire is completely free of that. It doesn't mean anything about you. Mm. It's the wind in your sails. Oh, it that. takes you on a journey. And that pursuit, I love how you describe it, like adding flowers to the bouquet, it enriches your life. Mm-hmm. It never takes away. You cannot fail at your authentic desire and then like you're, you're crushed because like your self-esteem is crushed. I'm a shit person because like, no, it doesn't mean anything about you. Yes. Right? And that's the key distinction between going after what you should want, like setting those goals, and then it crushes you if you fall short or you create a story about how you never wanted it in the first place and blah, 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 blah. Mm. None of it is authentic. So I'm really loving this conversation. I think you and I uncovered some delicious things here. Me too. And I also just love what you said about like, it doesn't mean it's without obstacles or hardships. It's like, but there's such a difference between things being hard, like, like disappointment. It's yeah. like, you can have disappointment from not achieving a desire and like just true disappointment doesn't mean anything about your self-worth. 
Like there are uncomfortable feelings and uncomfortable emotions. Yeah. And they're just so there's like that separation between when it is tied into your self-worth versus when it's just like, well, this is just a shitty emotion and I am going to be with it because it's part of life and every human has shitty emotions and the goal is to never be without them um, or to get rid of them because that's not possible. (laughs) So they talk to us through pain as one of the ways that they talk to us, right? Yes, very much. Mm. And I, yeah, I'm curious if you remember, sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. It was last TTE that you, you told the story about, um, guiding, the uh, guiding the horse. Yeah. You're, you're doing the horse therapy and like that, that, oh, I could just stop now and be good enough. If you mind telling that story, do you know what I'm talking oh about? My goodness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was, I had this experience guiding a horse through a labyrinth and, um, step after step, you know, expressing my intention, my desire to the horse, inviting the horse to go further. And little by little, we advanced, we advanced. There were some setbacks. There were some moments like, I don't know, is this going to go? And then we arrived close to the center. The only piece that was left going to the center of the labyrinth. And then the horse was like, no. (laughs) And then I was like, and my thought immediately was, you know what? I've gone far enough. I can definitely, you know, celebrate that, give myself a blue ribbon or a gold star and say, I've worked hard. It would mean something about me, right? But then I was like, but what do I really want? What do I really desire? And it was this deep desire in me. I I did desire to have the experience of having walked this labyrinth by the horse. It was a deep desire. And I was like, okay. And then I realized how how much prohibition there was about going to the depths of that desire, how vulnerable it felt. Desire feels extremely vulnerable because if it's not met, then it's very, very painful. So we don't allow ourselves to feel it because Mm -hmm. then the stakes are high. So I allowed myself to feel it. And in that moment, when I felt it with my entire body, I was able to communicate with the horse from my desire, right? From my whole body and just invited energetically the horse to walk in. The horse walked in and we walked around, we walked out and and my whole system was just humming and singing. But I realized in that moment first how easy and how many times I have stopped short of going the whole way in my life and what it, and yeah, I don't even know, just fills me with so much emotion and how vulnerable it is to actually connect with that true desire because, right, then we're putting something on the line, it's risky. And then how magical it is to connect with that full desire because that is what makes everything possible. Yes. Oh, there's like full body chills. I love that story so much. And (laughs) And just to connect it in with the pain work too, is I love that you said, it's like you had to feel that pain of like that vulnerability. Cause it's like, when we can be with our pain and learn how to feel it, like it's like what Dr. Valerie is talking about is on the other side of it. Like, that's why we go into our pain because like, it's all that like beauty that is on the other side of it. The pain is protecting something. Yes. 
there is such a treasure on the other side mm -hmm. of pain and it requires touching that pain, mm -hmm. feeling that pain, getting friendly with that pain, not running away from it. But that's how we're wired for survival. We run away. So this is like the work that you're doing is magical because it allows people the safety, the capacity, the tools to be with the pain, not to be with the pain, like to be a victim or to stay yes. there forever, but for the magic that goes hand in hand with that pain and maybe is just on the other side. Yes. Mm, yes. And oh, okay. I feel like that's such a good note to, to wrap this up on. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and it's just likewise. Yes. And, and I want to encourage, I'm sure Dr. Valerie can tell um, us where to find her, but I know what is it quarterly that you guys do TTE or yeah, TTE, the thriving experience is mm -hmm. where this work comes to life. Please mm -hmm. do not let it stay at the level of, oh, that was an interesting conversation. It does shit for your life. Come and yes. experience it. Let it live. Let yourself live this transformation. The thrivingexperience.com, we, we gather right now three times a year. Um, mm -hmm. Tickets start at free as of right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll play. You'll actually have an experience of touching your desire, meeting your prison guards and beginning to map your way out of survival and into thriving. So that's very exciting. Yes. And I want to encourage everyone to go on now, like go to the thrivingexperience.com and look at the dates for the next one, because you now have time because I know there just was one to go and clear your plans because it is a three-day experience. That is where I met Dr. Valerie and started this work and it completely transformed my life. So it's like, now you have time to make sure that you can set aside all the time to have that because it is, it is free and it is like the most life-changing experience you can have in just attending that weekend. So I highly, highly recommend it. Thank um, you for that. Yeah. Caution, it may change your life, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And somewhere, you know, once you're registered, uh, you'll you'll probably get a prompt somewhere. Oh, have you read the book? So the mm -hmm. book is now available on audio. You can download the first chapter if you like to just check it out. It's free, and then you you can purchase the audio book, which comes with a with a bonus of a PDF, or you can get your hard copy on Amazon or your local bookstore. But whatever it takes, right? Don't let this conversation just be one of those things that you put a check mark next to him. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah. Heard about patriarchy stress disorder and intergenerational trauma. Let it change your life. Let it change the trajectory of your lineage. Mm. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Valerie. I am just so excited for everyone to listen to this. And thank you for everyone who has listened to this episode. If this was helpful, please go ahead and get, leave us a five-star review, share it with your friends, share it around to anyone who could benefit from listening to this conversation.